I'm Rob. I'm Joy. And you're listening to Key Light. Hello, we're back. This week we're talking about Wally. Woo. Yeah, going back to a classic from many of our childhoods, this week we're discussing Wally, one of the greatest movies with the least dialogue you've ever seen. Yeah, it's just one of my favorite Pixar movies. There are a lot of different things to talk about in Wally, but the best one is the love story. It's pure happiness and leaves you with a smile and maybe a few tears in your eyes when the credits roll. We recently talked about Soul, one of Pixar's best new movies, but the reason it's not clearly at the top of their catalog is because, well, one, they have a lot of great movies, but it's because Pixar has been creating these landmark movies since the beginning of their time, and most notably in people's minds is WALL-E. Despite coming out in 2008, WALL-E still ranks among one of Pixar's best movies. It takes an entirely different approach than Soul does, but there's an equal level of emotional complexity and thematic messaging. On top of that, there's a magical little love story between two robots who can't even say each other's names. This lack of dialogue lasts the first whole block of the movie, and it creates a lot of breathing room for Wally to develop his character in the purest form of show, don't tell. As the audience, we get this true version of Wally, a kind-hearted, klutzy little robot that experiences wonder like a child. Yeah, and it's different from a lot of characters we see that are human in screen media, because what they say and what they do often contradict. We as people don't really like to acknowledge the worst parts of ourselves, but that's a different story. Wally, on the other hand, is a genuine character with none of that fear, uh, that human fear of being judged. So he feels refreshing and really carries the story with him. And carry he does. That first block of the movie is just him. Just Wally picking up trash, collecting all these little trinkets that he finds, and just wandering around having a good time on a desolate earth. Life, emotions, and work are all simple for him, and he couldn't be happier. When talking about Wally, there's tons of themes to choose from environmentalism, degradation of human interaction, technology overdose, AI takeover, and so much more. But at the heart of the film, there's something that we think gets glossed over a little bit in mainstream discussions. And that being the love story. Not just the love story between Wally and Eve, but between Wally and everything around him. He's adorably curious and finds something to love no matter where he goes. Yeah, he's able to take that message of being in the present that we've talked about before really well. I know this isn't the theme that most people take away when discussing the film, but it's definitely the best part of the movie. It just makes me so happy to see him live his little life. Maybe we should take a page out of Wally's book and learn how to be happy with ourselves. We sort of covered this when we were discussing Soul as well, but it's really hard to take a step back and just be happy with ourselves. We all get caught up in our lives, whether it be work or school or clubs or sports, and we define ourselves by those things. Sometimes we all just have to take a step back and just be like Wally, being happy and content just being ourselves and letting ourselves feel that childlike glee. Anyways, Wally is soon joined by Eve in that first block, and just like that, in that first glance, he's smitten with her. Somehow this white, bean-shaped robot with a female voice who tries to shoot him is the love of his life. I guess that's the downside of having no contact with others for as long as he does. Anybody who comes along is immediately very sexy. It's also nice to see the robot's love story creating another new relationship between two humans who break out of their little screen worlds, John and Mary. Just a super cute little subplot. Yeah, as sexy as any robot can be, but that's a different podcest, or that's a different movie. That will, we, we, won't, we won't get into that. 
So Eve comes in and the love story begins. And there are actually a few other things that make this movie really interesting, like the commentary on human laziness and all that importance of protecting the environment. But at its core, it's a love story. It's the story of two beings from wildly different worlds learning to connect with one another. It's really important to realize that not everything that is thematically strong and provides insightful commentary has to be some kind of overcomplicating melodrama. This was made for kids and has held up with adults who need a break from the real world. The themes are there, but the simplicity is the key. And it's what's made WALL-E so popular after so many years, since 2008. The animation is great, but at its core, it's the simplicity of message that gives Pixar the ability to create such pure emotion in their movies. And WALL-E is the pinnacle of this formula. They nailed it here. And that's why this movie stands the test of time. Yeah, and even through all the chaos of the plot of the movie, that love between WALL-E and Eve and WALL-E and everything around him, that's what stands out. That is the best part. And now moving on to our cultural impact section. So as we mentioned, Wally covers a lot of different themes, not just the love story, which is definitely the best part, but there's also, you know, consumerism, environmentalism, uh, AI takeover, which feels especially relevant today oh, in yeah. this world. I think when I was rewatching, I was like, oh, this... This is thematically relevant to our current existence, yeah. I know, right. I'm sure they didn't know that this was going to feel so close to home, that theme out of all of them. But it's really not the, like we mentioned, the focus of WALL-E. Uh, even the creator of the film mentioned that the environmentalism uh, was a byproduct of the world that he was creating. You know, that being said, it has been a super... Uh, discussed part of this film, the environmentalism and the consumerism, you know, those huge, tall, trash towers. It's just a really... And the fact that people are living in space now. Yeah, exactly. Just a really powerful image of Earth and what it could be. I think the idea that trash is going to be our biggest problem is not accurate. But, you know, for 2008, I'm sure that's what was on everybody's minds. I think it's also just like an easy way to sort of send this message of environmentalism, Visually, like yeah. not necessarily like nuclear meltdown or stuff like that, but it's like, it's the it's the end game of global warming. It's what will eventually happen. Maybe not necessarily what's right now, but what we're gonna get to. And mm -hmm. that might just be trash everywhere. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, a company that basically runs the world and is okay with creating that trash is also another thing that uh, Wally brings up. You Do you know. wanna name names? Um, I'm not going to name any names in case I get sued, but you know who we're talking about, guys. I mean, there's a couple names that we could list. There's one that we've talked about before. Actually, you know, we've talked about Elon Musk before, but we won't name anyone else. I, I will, I've made my disdain for certain billionaires very clear, so yeah. But yeah, I, you know, you see by and large all over um, the world, and then in the spaceship, of course, they're running everything. Um, yeah. You know, the, the AI and the robots that are working round the clock on the ship, what are they doing? All they're doing is making all the consumers, which is what they are, making their lives easier, which is great because, you know, hey, we can like do all the things we want and everything comes to us easily. Don't even have to chew anymore. Don't even have to get up out of your seat. Yeah. But, you know, there's like a few different, there's, there's a running gag in the show where People are broken out of their screens and then they see something in the in the ship and they're like, I didn't know we had a 
pool or I didn't know we had an exercise room. You know, if you get so locked in your own little world, then you're not able to, you're not forced to discover anything new and, you know, experience those little joys of the new trinkets and the new environments that Wally is constantly finding himself in. Yeah, I think when I was a kid watching it, I was like, but like, I want to go outside and play. And then now as an adult, I'm like, I spend so many hours in that exact position. I'm like laying down with my laptop in front of me because I'm like either doing work or like watching a movie or something like that. I'm like, hmm, that's, huh, that's a reminder. I need to go outside and touch some grass. <laughs> or like, I don't know. We, I mean, this past Monday was Marmon, so we all went outside and touched some grass in various capacities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Wally is one of those movies that I think it's aged very well, but not in a good way in that like we're sort of falling down this track that was predicted. Mm-hmm. Not quite exactly, but um, it's still definitely like a reminder that like, hey, this could actually happen in like real life and not just this animated love story. Maybe we should be more careful with our planet. But then, like, you also have these people who are like, no, we'll just go live in space. Like, that's fine. And, and I'm just like, no, I like grass. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is a great movie to rewatch. I'd highly recommend, especially everything going on right now. And I think even, like, without all the messaging and the themes, it's just a delightful movie to watch. Like, I think that's something Pixar does really well in that it has all these themes of, like, environmentalism, AI takeover, um, humanity, all these kinds of Mm -hmm. things. But at the end of the day, it's just a delightful movie to just watch. Yeah, you don't have to care about any of those things like we do. You you can still enjoy the movie. And as a film major, anyone who ever complains that show don't tell is hard, yeah, it is, but it's possible. And this movie does it fantastically. So watch and learn something or just watch and have fun. Because like, I, I don't know, I definitely learned upon rewatching that it's very difficult to do this whole show don't don't tell thing very well, but Wally does it spectacularly well. Yeah, that's all. It's a fun movie. Go watch it. And if you haven't, well, I have more questions. I think. <laughs> anyway, that's all. So now time for a song of the week that we actually prepared for, even though it was Yay. five minutes before we started recording. Anyway, my song of the week is Fake Out by Fallout Boy off of their new album, So Much for Stardust. It is fantastic. The whole album is a banger. You have Ethan Hawke featuring for some reason. It's fantastic. Go check it out. Yeah, I actually read a review of that one from my one of the writers on the media team. It seem, seems pretty good. Yeah. They liked it as well. Yeah, it's like the first time Fallout Boy has released music in like, I don't even know how long. I'll have to yeah, go check. It's- it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, another new album from one of my favorite artists, Daniel Caesar. Uh, I really like Let Me Go. I think it was one of the singles released before because it had way more plays than the other ones, but great slow jam. Daniel Caesar doing what he does best. Heck yeah. I've also heard, I've actually heard that song because it came that's up on my TikTok. Crazy. That's, that's so crazy. crazy. We actually know each other's Guys, songs. This is like the one time. This the one time. Happen. This will never happen again. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, well. Make sure to go outside and touch some grass, boys and girls, because you might not meet anyone in between. And anyone in between. Because you might not meet Eve, but you might meet someone cool. So get out there. That's all for us this week. Bye. This episode was written by Joy Gu and Rob Pereira. Also edited by Joy Gu and produced and mixed by Rob Pereira. Special thanks to the BU School of Communication for their studio and to Northeastern University. You can find Keylight on all podcasting platforms and make sure to be notified of new episodes by following our Instagram and Twitter accounts, both at KeylightPod. Thanks.